What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to this special edition podcast of the Arizona Fall League sponsored by Bowman, the first place to find the game's future stars. Visit tops.com for the latest news on Bowman baseball trading cards. I'm Kyle Glazer and joining us live from Arizona is our own Josh Norris. Josh, have to say, the opening week of the Arizona Fall League, we've already produced some great content on Michael Chavis, Mitch Keller, uh, we saw Max Fried, uh, and a lot of great video. I have to ask, just put you on the spot, this first week of Arizona Fall League play, who's been the guy that's jumped out to you the most? Well, I mean, it's really only been two days, um, but as a hitter, it's been Michael Chavis, like you said, you wrote about, and as pitchers, it's been uh, Justin Sheffield. Chavis is batting practice on... Tuesday was, you know, it, it, it's, it's cliche as heck, but it was that different sound. It was special. You know, he was you know, hitting balls on the nose every time, and he followed it up in the in, in the game. I think he's hitting 500 now, and every ball he hit seems to be barreled. So he's been really fun to watch. And Sheffield was electric on also Tuesday. He um, was built up to about five innings apiece in the instructional league, so he pitched five more innings. In, um, in his start and uh, allowed one hit on in five innings with six strikeouts and no walks. The fastball up to 97. Uh, low or high 80s changeup that was dropping off the table on a slider that you could drop in or bury. I mean, one scout I saw on Twitter this morning said he had number one starter type stuff yet, uh, Tuesday. It was, um, it was something to watch, and it was a quick game, so that was even better. You know, it's interesting. I think when we talk about projection and, and guys getting bigger and stronger with high school arms, a lot of times people just say that about the right-handers. They almost uh, assume the left-handers in some ways are more physically filled out, and if they throw 92 then, they're going to throw 92 now, and that's fine as a left-hander. But Sheffield's interesting that you mentioned he's all the way up to 97 because I saw him last year at 2016, the California-Carolina League All-Star game when he was still an Indians farmhand. And he was, you know, max effort, you know, one inning, airing it out in an all-star game, and it was 94, which is still excellent velocity for, at the time, a 20-year-old left-hander. Uh, but the fact that we've now seen a year and a, a year and a half later, a trade, he's gotten bigger, he's gotten stronger, and added three miles an hour to his fastball, that's an impressive bump. Well, I, mean, I think, I don't, know, I don't know what he was doing that day, but I know I saw him four times, I think three or four times with an Indian farmhand, and he was up to 96. Oh, okay. I guess maybe the gun was, but but I but either way, it's ticked up. Whether it's one, two, three, and I think it's uh, you know, he's only twenty one, and this is a kid that we know he's got bloodlines. Um, he's you know a top notch. He was a top draft pick. Not like it came from nowhere. You know, the Yankees, the Indians, obviously are, are. 
for the most part, going to be fine with how uh, the Andrew Miller trade worked out with the Yankees. But it seems like Justice is, uh, I, I won't say he's opening eyes because there were already eyes on him, but he just seems to be getting better and better. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's doing everything the Yankees expected out of him and more outside of him. He's just getting innings here because he missed like a month, a month and a half or something with an oblique strain this year, and that's why he's down here. You know, just be getting those innings, and he'll be probably in AAA next year and pushing for the big league by the end of the year, depending on how things go there. But, I mean, in him and Clint Frazier, they got two potential big league regulars. Yeah, and when it comes to uh, prospects and how often they hit or miss, that in some cases is uh, all I can really ask for. You know, you mentioned guys who uh, making up some time with injury. Michael Chavis wasn't injured this year, but he was injured the year before. Came out, had a great right. year this year, and he just seems to be tearing it up even more. You mentioned the BP. You mentioned that opening outing. You had your article on him. Uh, just, I mean, how have you seen him grow and improve? Because you've had eyes on him for a little bit as well with Greenville and into uh, Salem. Yeah, I, got, I mentioned in the article that one of the big separators uh, from last year to this year was uh, he got regular playing time. Mm-hmm. In Greenville in 2015, he was on that super team with Moncada and uh, Dubon and Javi Guerra and Nick Longy, and I'm missing someone in there um, himself. And, and pitchers, they had Anderson Espinosa and Michael Kopech on that team. So it was a pretty darn good team. Um, but, you know, when you play, when you have that many guys, somebody's going to have to get a day off every, every uh, more than they'd like because you only have so many spots. And so he didn't get regular playing time. And as a result, his development was a little stunted. And then last year, like you said, he was playing through a broken finger, and the numbers kind of suffered there too. Um, and this year, you know, he's showing that big-time bat speed, just authoritative contact. He's playing a little bit better at third base. Uh, he's not a complete hitter by any stretch yet. There, the scouts told me during the Eastern and Carolina League top 20 uh, processes that there are holes there. But when he gets a hold of one, man, it's, it's going to go a long way. You know, it's interesting. I, I think it's it's kind of funny. All there's a lot of people in Red Sox Nation. I get the question like, "Oh gosh, you know, we have Devers and we've got Chavis. You know." What do we do? I'm like, this is a really good problem to have. Having you know, Rafael yeah. Davers is a cornerstone third baseman is going to be there for a while. And if Chavis can move over to first pace and make it work, great. If they're better off you know, using him to uh, go get a top-tier big leaguer in a trade, fine. I mean, it's, it's a good problem to have. And I think just the fact that we've seen him develop, I mean, it benefits him. It benefits the Red Sox. And, you know, it's always good to see a, a talented kid coming off an injury show what he can do and be successful. You know, you, you mentioned move over first base. Matt Eddy, who's you know, good with numbers and stuff and, and measurables and things like that, mentioned that first base seems unlikely, considering he's 5'11 and 2'10. Right. Yeah, seeing the and video, I didn't realize how short he was. Short yeah, stocking. There's so many guys that, that can do that. And, I mean, Jeff Bagwell was one notable name that people mentioned to me uh, when it came to that body type at first base. But he's also a shortstop background, so maybe second base might be kind of where he might move. And if you can get that power production, I mean, we know second base is a power position increasingly, and if he can keep that up, it'd be quite a co- combination. Uh, you yeah. Know, you I, saw, oh, so go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, so obviously, you know, that Peoria-Glendale game, a lot of talent. Um, Peoria has Ronald Acuna, our minor league player of the year, but I actually want to talk to you about Max Fried and Tuki Toussaint. Um, Fried in particular had a really interesting year where it wasn't very good at double A, Still got promoted to the majors and, you know, got his first big league call-up. Came down at the end at AAA and looked like the Max Fried first rounder, you know, you know, potential 
front of the rotation left-hander that the Padres thought they were getting when they drafted him before the injuries struck and the Braves hoped they were getting when they acquired him for Justin Upton. Um, the fall league, he came out 95 to 97, which is higher than what he was showing when he was here in AAA, where he was touching five and sitting three. Uh, just what have been your impressions of Max Fried? It seems like, you know, after years of injuries, things might finally be starting to click a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he explained the, uh, the 95-97 as, you know, if he hadn't pitched in like six weeks or whatever it's been. So he had a little, <laughs> a lot of juice left in there. So maybe that's, maybe you'll see it drop a little bit in his next start which I assume is on Monday. Um, so that's, uh, maybe, maybe you don't see that every time, but still, let's say it's 93 to 95. It's still pretty darn good from a left-hander. The curveball, I thought, was really good. I noted in the article that I wanted to see him land it for strikes more often, called strikes, instead of trying to bury it. Um, and the changeup was really good, too. Uh, a scout mentioned to me that he kind of was spinning off a little bit, which may have affected his command in the second inning, where he kind of loaded the bases but still struck everyone out. So... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of potential there, and you know, it's been a, it's been a long time for Max Freed, but you know, he he still is going to be a, a a guy that the Braves see in their rotation, I'd imagine. It's going to be interesting. I, obviously, him health has always been the big thing, and I, I think we're increasingly seeing that the talent is finally starting to blossom, but. You know, it's 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 always there's been a lot of talented pitchers before who haven't been able to stay healthy, and at this point, I think you just kind of have to hope Max Fried does. And if he does, uh, I think the Braves will be very happy. The other thing I find fascinating, uh, we at Baseball America see it a lot. The Braves and their fans are, in particular, are very very active on social media when it comes to their farm system to the point that I've been kind of blown away by how how much they are, and. With all the talent in the system, it's been fascinating to me how many of them are kind of infatuated with Tuki Toussaint. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, was a high draft pick, but was always known as a guy who could get a little wild and was very much a hit or miss guy, um, acquired for Phil Gosselin and Bronson Arroyo's contract in that uh, funky Diamondbacks trade. It's just interesting because the Braves have so many great talented prospects, and yet Braves fans seem almost infatuated with Tuki. Uh, you know, he came out and showed some good things for you. Uh, just what was your overall take on his first fall league outing? Well, first of all, I, I think part of the reason that you, you get guys infatuated with him is because his name Tuki Toussaint. How cool is that? <laughs> Definitely. That, you get I a half mean, grade I'm for the name. I'm totally serious. I'm, I'm being totally serious. I mean, there's not, there's a lot of, you know, Maxes around and a lot of Kevins as in Maiton around, but there's not that many Tukis. Um, anyway, his, his outing was, was pretty, it wasn't quite as good as Freed, but you know, 94, 96 with a decent, uh, breaking ball, uh, a little different shape than I saw when he was a Diamondback. Um, and it changed up too. It was, you know, a little, uh, little iffy command, but that's to be expected with Tukey. It's never been his strong suit. Uh, but he had shifted to a slide step out of the stretch the, the entire outing, um, in an effort to, uh, improve that command and it was better than it's been you know it's interesting i've seen uh, a couple pitchers do that one guy notably this year was tyler glass now um it didn't pay dividends in the major leagues but uh a couple of the scouts who were seeing him in triple a and had watched him through the years noted that the guy they were seeing in triple a was much more you know straight on line to the plate a lot more strikes that were just you know where they needed to be as opposed to before where it was big big velo but 
if it was in the strike zone, it wasn't where it needed to be. It would be out of it and was relying on guys to chase. And now just that slide step has simplified everything. Again, the change didn't make Glasnow the, uh, the big league uh, performer that a lot of people would like him to be. But you saw some improvement at the AAA level. And I think with Tukey as well, it's an interesting development. I'd be curious to see if they keep it going and if we start to see the turnaround that, you know, some people have hoped for. Because he's always been considered a good arm. It was just never with him any kind of guarantee. Right. Um, and also with some of those other Braves, they weren't able to Braves at pitch. Um, it was all Braves except for the ninth inning. They struck out 16 over eight innings. And they brought in Josh Grant, who I'm going to plug because, you know, we're both Oregon grads. Um, but he was up to, you know, 98 with a dastardly changeup that I, I, I think he needs a breaking ball. Like he was using like a, if it was a slider, it didn't slide much. It mostly cut. But the, the changeup was getting swings and misses like nobody's business. Um, so he's an interesting arm to watch going forward. I think he was injured most of the year. So he's kind of been, I don't know, lost in the shuffle there, but still got the big velocity, still got the big changeup. He could, I, I could see him easily being a major leaguer. You know, another guy on the on the mound that has drawn a lot of intrigue is Mitch Keller. Now, this is a guy that I was, you know, I'm doing the Dodgers prospects for the handbook and was just talking to a scout about Walker Bueller and what he saw this year. And we were talking about, you know, the best guys he saw all year. And unpro- I asked him point blank, is Walker Bueller the best pitching prospect you saw this year? And he said, yes. And then unprompted, he added, but I also saw Mitch Keller and he's right there with Bueller for me as well. And it's been interesting because I think a lot of people know Walker Bueller. A lot of people know Michael Kopech. Uh, Keller, I think, within the industry, we've heard throughout the year from scouts that, hey, this guy is at that level. And yet on the general you know, fan side of things, it seems like there's not that perception. Uh, you got to see him go out and, again, against a really good Peoria I've team. I've both those guys this trip. Yes, because you saw Bueller and Instructs. Uh, I want to start with, with Keller. I think the main thing that we've heard consistently is he just does it so easy. There's such little effort, and you saw it with some of the video you took. I would encourage uh, BA readers to go online and check it out. He looks like he's going through the motions, and it was 97 on the corner to get Ronald Acuna swinging. <laughs> yes, that's, to me, the separator between those two prospects. Mitch Keller does it easy, and if you hear, if you look at my video of Walker Bueller, I don't know if you can hear it, but he's grunting every pitch. It's a lot of effort in there. And, you know, he's still the same velocity, but Keller does it a lot easier. And I, for that reason, I might take Keller over, over Bueller. It was so easy yesterday. You know, that was the 95, 97 with the, the same kind of cut action and the power curveball in the 80s and the changes and, you know, carved through a pretty darn good Peoria lineup, uh, with ease. So, you know, I, I love Mitch Keller. He was, um, as I wrote in the article, he's been nailed in every situation where it's uh, kind of pressure, although the pressure he applied to himself yesterday. He said he was a little nervous coming to the fall league. It's not something you hear all the time, but he's you know, done it in two consecutive playoffs, uh, pitching pivotal or clinching games for championship series. So, you know, this, this guy slowly but surely made a reputation for himself as one of the top arms in the game. You know, he's another guy that missed time. We talk about the Fall League being a place where guys who miss time with injuries can go and get those extra innings, get those extra at-bats. And, um, you know, that's one of those things that I think the Fall League is more, I think sometimes there's this perception it's a place where just the top prospects go because they're good. But a lot of times it is that building back up after an injury. And 
backs can be tricky. I mean, all seemed well with Keller in terms of his health, did it not? Yeah, oh no, he, he seemed like nothing had happened. It, it was, I'd say vintage Keller, that's the first time I've ever seeing, seeing him, but it seems like vintage Keller based on the reports and the numbers. Absolutely. Overall, you know, we've talked about guys who are known, um, although you did mention Josh Graham as a guy who was, you know, maybe an under-the-radar guy. Who are some of the guys that maybe you hadn't heard of, hadn't seen, hadn't done a lot on, but have maybe done something to open your eyes here in these first couple days? You know, I, I, I know a little bit more about him than most. I like I like Tyro Estrada out here with Scottsdale. He played a really decent shortstop, and he's got a, a swing pass that shows me uh, the potential for contact. Uh, I'll pick another Yankee guy. Cody Carroll was 96 to 98 with an average-ish slider. You know, he was the last two innings of Tuesday's game. I think they were shut out with four strikeouts. Uh, I liked watching um, Edmundo Sosa yesterday with uh, St. Louis play shortstop. He did it real easy. Um, Ryan Mountcastle was barreling some balls yesterday. Uh, it was. It, there's been a lot of little sneaky guys. Uh, O'Connor Walsh with the White Sox. It was 96-98 yesterday with swing and miss offering a changeup and a, with a curveball. So there's been a, a few names that have been, you know, again, it's been two days that have, uh, that have come up and shown me something. Absolutely. So who you got today? Uh, I'm sitting here in, in Sloan Park. I'm watching Mesa take BP right now. And they are going to face Peoria. You've got uh, a lot of Peoria looks. Yeah, just by coincidence. Um, that's going to be Henry Owens versus Spencer Turnbull. Um, I'm really, I'm really actually not looking for either of those pitchers, although Turnbull was really good for me this year. I'm trying to see if I'm going to get Andres Munoz out of the bullpen. Um, 100 mile an hour, 18 year old for the Padres. Yes, I'm, I'm trying to stalk him a little bit. <laughs> um, and then at the night game, it's, um, Scottsdale and Salt River, and it's going to be Tyler Beatty for the Giants and Adrian Hauser for the Brewers. So that should be fun. Um, oh, you know who else? I took the balls really hard. Zach Green. He, against Max Posey yesterday, he vaporized the fastball. I think it was 97. Line drive, like tracer type home run, just to the left of dead center field. So that was really impressive to see. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we always know that guy could hit the ball real hard. Um, but he started to show it again. I think he had a decent year in Reading, either this year or last year. But, you know, there's a guy who's still got raw power. There's a lot of guys, there's a lot of guys with a lot of skills out here. It's easy to get lost in, in the talent. And again, if, if, if you're out here in Arizona or planning to come to Arizona, come to these games. There's like 700 people here max. And it's always a great time if you like baseball and prospects. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that'll pretty much do it. Uh, thank you uh, for joining us, Josh. We uh, look forward to seeing more of the good stuff you've got going in Arizona and continuing to uh, read all your good stuff. Um, for Josh thank Norris, you, of course. So uh, for Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. This special po- edition podcast of the Arizona Fall League is sponsored by Bowman, the first place to find the game's future stars. Visit tops.com for the latest news on Bowman baseball trading cards. For Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for tuning in, folks. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.